This is a Radio 191 FM podcast. NASA's Perseverance rover recently discovered some organic compounds on the fourth rock from the sun, that is Mars. The US Space Agency's exploring robot found rocks rich with organic compounds, likely made of carbon and hydrogen, while examining an extinct river delta on Mars known as the Jezero Crater. Martian scientists believe the crater likely held a lake 3.5 billion years ago, which the river delta emptied into, and could have been a habitable environment for life, making the site crucial for Perseverance's objective to find evidence of ancient microbial life on Mars. Could these rock samples fulfill Perseverance's mission in finding evidence that life previously existed on the Red Planet? I spoke with astronomer... I spoke with astronomer and associate professor John Willis from the Department of Physics and Astronomy at the University of Victoria in British Columbia about whether these samples point to extinct extinct life and how Perseverance's mission has gone so far. Have a listen. Part of the Perseverance rover's mission is finding microbial life on Mars. How has this aspect of the mission been going and what are the ramifications of making such a discovery? Well, that's a that's a big question, Zach. So the way I, I tend to deal with big questions is I break them down into manageable chunks. The, the NASA Perseverance rover, its mission there on Mars at the moment is to, it sounds a bit, a bit more prosaic than the way you put it, right? It's to characterize this particular part of Mars that it's visiting. It's called the Jezero Crater. And to basically understand what the conditions were like there, not so much today, but in the past, Right, So it's using geology as a way of investigating what the past conditions were like. Now, that does link in, link in with the possibility of microbial life because this Jezero crater, we believe it was a lake bed. We believe it was fed by a river. There was a delta system. You know, let's say 3.7 billion years ago, this would have been, you know, quite a remarkably familiar-looking place to us earthlings, right? And if they can use the rover to characterize what that water-rich environment was like, they might understand, and this is a big if, if there was microbial life there when the water was there over three billion years ago, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's very much a kind of a step-by-step approach. What's kind of attracted headlines at the moment is that the Perseverance rover has discovered organic compounds of hydrogen, oxygen, and I think maybe even some sulfur compounds. Um, <clears throat> how significant of a discovery is this in terms of maybe determining if there was life on Mars? And what can it tell us more about the, the Martian planet and the Jezero crater and the river delta that it's on? I mean, this is exactly Perseverance's job. It's, it, if, you, if you think about it, it's like a, it's sniffing out the chemical and mineral signature of the rocks. Now, to be fair, right, a lot of rocks contain sulfur, oxygen, hydrogen, iron, magnesium, some carbon in there as well, all these kinds of interesting things. And rocks don't equal life. But what they may contain is um, a little bit of uh, extra hints of what might have been there, right? So, for example, the reason why you're seeing perseverance in the news is is really there's there's a few things that have happened recently. So one is it's used one of its instruments on some of these rocks, some of the sandstone rocks, the sedimentary rocks that people are familiar with on Earth. It's analyzed a few of those, and it's found what we call organic chemical compounds, right? Now, that immediately lights up signals in people's brains because a lot of people think, hear organic, and they think life. We have to do a little bit of a reset, because when we talk about organic chemicals, some organic chemicals are involved as the building blocks of Earth life. But that doesn't mean any time that you find an organic chemical in nature that it means there's life there. But you know, it's still, it's an important discovery, because a number of previous missions have not found those organic chemicals. 
And it's another piece of the puzzle in that you're very unlikely to get life without these organic chemicals. Finding them isn't a guarantee of it. You kind of see it's almost like it, you know, you can, you can have organic chemicals and it can just be a completely non-living environment. It can just be part of the chemistry of the place. So that's one reason why you're seeing it in the news. The other reason is that, you know, NASA announced that Perseverance has kind of finished its, you could say, its primary mission, which essentially means its job was to go there and characterize this lake bed area. And one of the things it had to do was find some rocks that actually constitute the bottom of the lake bed, the volcanic rocks that were there originally before the lake formed. And it's done that. These are really important things to work out what was there originally and how water might have changed that environment. And then the third thing that is really cool is one of Perseverance's jobs is to drill samples of rocks from interesting places, put them in a series of titanium tubes, and leave them at specially marked locations on the surface of the planet for a later mission to go and pick them up, and then actually take some of those samples back to Earth. It's really done very well at characterizing this environment. doesn't mean the mission's over. I think from about 20 years ago, you can go back to the Mars rover Opportunity. It finished its primary mission after 90 days. It eventually stopped working after about 10 years. Really, we're going to continue to see some, some amazing discoveries from Perseverance. So you said that Perseverance's primary mission has ended. So what do you think the folks over at NASA will be doing with the rover now that it's done its primary objective? You have to remember, as, a, as an engineer, when you build something, you know, you're always going to give a kind of a warranty for it. Now, when you're operating complex machinery, right, in another planet by remote control, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And so the engineer said, look, we're going to guarantee you about, you know, 350 Martian days of operation. Now, they've put a lot of effort and care into building that rover, and they, they've got a lot of experience. It's probably going to last a lot longer than that, but that's the guarantee they made. And so the scientists are often going to compress all the science they're interested in into that primary mission. And then there's going to be a bit more of a wish list after that. Places nearby that are, involve a bit more travel time, maybe slightly more arduous terrain in terms of climbing up the, you know, some of the big mountains that form the edge of this crater. There's going to be a very well-defined scientific wish list of things to do next, right? They're not going to run out of things to do, trust me. The Perseverance rover, like you said, is dropping off the sample of tiny titanium tubes for pickup in a future mission likely to be in 2033, I believe. How will this uh, sample be analyzed on Earth, and why can't it be analyzed by the rover on Mars? Everything that you put onto a space mission is a compromise, largely in terms of space and weight. It's like going camping. You, you might want to take your big three-burner barbecue, and so you can do plenty of steaks at once, but you can't fit that in the back of the truck, right? So you take something a bit more compact. It's the same thing with scientific instruments. You'd love to have a really comprehensive, sensitive piece of scientific equipment to answer every question that the rover might come across. And there's not enough space and weight for it. So every scientific instrument on board is, first of all, miniaturized and compact and, and very specialized in terms of what it's going to do. When you're trying to make something a bit smaller, especially a scientific instrument, you might have to make a concession in terms of its sensitivity for actually detecting or, or studying things. But what the rover is very good at is characterizing its environment, working out what is interesting, what might be interesting. And then if you can bring those samples back to Earth, and you know, let's be honest, that's going to be a really big, unique scientific achievement right? We've only done it once before, and that was with, the, sorry, we've only done it once before with large amounts of rock. That was with the Apollo mission, okay, when we uh, had various mission, manned missions to the moon, and we brought back a lot of samples of rock. This is not going to be that, that amount of material, but it's going to be really important. What you can do on Earth is, you can do two things. One is, you can take that rock sample 
to you know a state of the art lab where you're going to be able to do a, you know, the most sensitive tests that you can come up with right there's going to be no better equipment the other thing you can do that's that's almost as important is you can adapt you can discover something in the first set of tests that you do and then you can actually think to yourself and think i think there might be something interesting here but i need to do another series of tests you can change your approach so those samples even though each sample of rock is going to be about the size of my pinky doesn't sound like much but in you know a modern scientific lab you only need a couple of grains of material to actually you know study that because these are so precise so you can perform on earth you can be a lot more sensitive in the tests you can perform and you can also um, be adaptive you can follow the trail of clues, right? And you can't do that because uh, with a rover, add to the same extent, because what's on board is what's on board, right? You can't, you know, uh, email back to Earth and say, oh, actually, I forgot to put this piece of uh, scientific equipment on. Could we, could we just, could you send one out for us? And it's, it's not going to happen. So bringing the samples back to Earth, although it's a big endeavor, although it's going to be, you know, an expensive and challenging space mission, once you get those rock samples here, it's going to be amazing for, for Mars science. Thanks for listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. There are heaps more at r1.co.nz.